What are you investing your time and energy into? And last week we looked at an area that we all need to invest in if we wanna have a legacy that's worth leaving. And I wanna call back to that because I think it's important. This is the area of yourself. You need to invest some energy and time into yourself. It's kinda like when the flight attendant comes on and says, hey, in the event that we, you know, the door falls off this plane and you got that mask drop down. Who do you put the mask on first? You gotta put it on you before you can help anybody else, right? And to be more specific about investing in yourself, you need to spend time connecting with God and connecting with godly people. All right, that's pretty much what the last message was about. That's what we talked about last week. And the point is pr- pretty simple. You cannot give what you do not possess. You cannot pass down a faith that is not in you. And so I gotta make sure that I hit that first because each week in this series is going to build off of the previous week. And if you miss connecting with God, all this other stuff is just, honestly, it's really not going to matter. You cannot give what you don't possess. If you want to have a legacy that matters, if you want to pass your faith on to the next generation, you have to first possess a faith that is alive and moving in you. You have to be connecting to God if you want your children and grandchildren to connect with God. You have to start, you have to do it first. And today we're gonna look at a legacy and specifically investing in our families. How to pass down our faith to the next generation. How do we do that? And so before we hop into the word this morning, I want us to get our hearts ready to receive what God has for us. Would you just put your arms out like this, palms up, close your eyes, just a just a posture of surrender. Take a deep breath. And remember that God is just as near as the air you're breathing. God, today, would you guide us closer to you? Help our minds put away the frustrations of the past week to put away the distractions of the coming week. We want to fully focus on you. We come empty with nothing to offer but surrender. Fill us up as only you can. Holy Spirit, move in here today with power. We believe that in advance. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Amen. All right, here is our text for today. All right, it's Genesis 21, 33. Here's our text. Then Abraham planted a tamarisk tree in Beersheba. And there he worshiped the Lord, the eternal God. We got 30 minutes on that right there, okay? You got, now, hey, if you're, if you're like me, if we just read that verse, you'd be like, okay, Abraham, he planted a tree in the desert. That's what we got, there's nothing there. A little bit of context in the verses before this and the verses after this. Abraham had just gotten to a new place. It was not his homeland. And Abraham, he made a covenant with the leader of that land. His name is Abimelech. You can actually, if you go to this in your Bible, you can read just a few verses ahead of this and see this agreement that they made, this covenant that they made between Abimelech and Abraham. Uh, And so uh, the agreement was basically this. Uh, We will not take advantage of each other's families. We will not deceive each other. Uh, More or less, you could summarize this by saying, we are going to be good neighbors for generations. Abimelech, whenever they're having this covenant, he specifically mentions his children and any descendants as a part of this covenant. 
This isn't an agreement between Abraham and Abimelech. It's an agreement between their families. And so this verse, it seems kind of random and out of place. They've got this covenant. They've got this thing that they're going to enter into an agreement. And then Abraham, he plants a tamarisk tree. He plants it in these harsh and dry conditions. And, and actually, this is the exclamation point of that text. This act is Abraham's declaration to future generations that he is making an investment in their lives. I'm not sure if any of you guys have a green thumb uh, when it comes to your flower bed or your garden. I got a black thumb. That's what me and Kelsey both have. We just get stuff and watch it die every summer. It's great. Um, but I want us to think about something, and, and we try hard, and we just, we just can't, we're not, well, that ain't us, okay? But a tamarisk tree is actually, it's commonly referred to, referred to as a salt cedar tree. And in the climate that Abraham is living in, it would not be like a native plant or not something that would just thrive in that area. It would require a lot of care and maintenance for it to survive and to grow. It's not just gonna naturally happen there. But once it reaches maturity, it's a large tree that provides a large amount of, of shade. In the days before AC, shade is a big deal, y'all. And when Abraham is planting this tree, he isn't planting it for himself. He will never, he will never see the fruit of planting this tree. He's never gonna experience the shade from it. It's never gonna be big enough during his lifetime. His children might get to experience some of the comforts of this tree but most definitely his grandchildren would experience the refuge found in the shade of the tree. It was a place that was cared for and prepared so that they could be blessed. It wasn't for him, it was for the next generation. When Abraham planted this tree, he is planting a refuge, a place of comfort, a place of shelter for the next generation. That's what it is for them. But for him, it is a place of effort and energy and time. It isn't a tree you plant for you. It's something you do for your family, for the ones that are yet to come. A question for you is this. What seeds are you planting for your kids, grandkids, great-grandkids? Because here's the truth. Whatever seeds you're planting are the ones that they're gonna harvest. You will reap, you will harvest whatever you plant. And the truth is everyone is leaving a legacy. And there are family scripts, right? They're the things that we describe ourselves as that are passed down from generation. I don't know if you've thought about the scripts uh, that your family passed down to you, that there's some things that they have passed down to you whether you've realized it or not. Our question for you is are you putting any intention and thought to the legacy that you're leaving behind? Or is it just an accidental legacy? So I'll ask again, what seeds are you planting for your kids, grandkids, and great-grandkids? It might be a lot of energy and effort right now, but it will be so worth it for them. It's not about right now, it's about later. It's about my kids and their kids and their kids. When you pass down a faith in Jesus, when you plant that seed into the next generation, let me encourage you with this. God is the one who makes it grow. We don't have to be perfect parents. It's not about getting it perfect. We all have already missed that boat. It is about being purposeful with the legacy we are leaving and seeking to honor God with what we leave behind. 
When we talk about generations, the amazing part is that God identifies himself as a God of generations. Passing down the faith is not something we've just conjured up, it's actually how God intended for us to operate. Uh, this is Jesus talking, it's Matthew 22, uh, 32. And this is Jesus, he says, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. All right, dad, son, grandson, okay? All right, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So he is the God of the living, not the dead. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. If I was to contextualize that for myself, okay? I want you to think about this for you. Uh, the God of Donald Key, the God of Logan Key, and the God of Cooper Key, right? And that is my prayer, that, that I have faith in Jesus that, that was given for me, for, to me from the previous generation, right? From, from my parents, from my father, and that my son has that same faith in Jesus. Now, I wanna be clear. I don't want my faith to be a carbon copy for his faith. It is gonna look different, no doubt, what his is, what his faith looks like and what my faith looks like. But the object of our faith is the same. It's Jesus. The same Jesus that I worship is the same Jesus he worships. It's not gonna look the same, it's actually gonna look different, okay? When I grew up, when people liked the music, they were like this, they were just leaned on the pew in front of them. That's what you do when you like the music, right? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Everybody do this, hands up, both of them. If you're one of the last ones to do this, it's because you grew up in a place that was probably like this, okay? You did not want to put those hands up. We don't want the same faith, we want the same object of the faith. And so how do we pass our faith on to the next generation? And scripture actually offers us some insight on how to do that. Before we get to that next passage, I, I wanna pause real quick and say, don't focus on the letter of the law, exactly what it says. I want you to focus on the spirit of the laws. God is trying to paint a picture for us. Don't be so focused on the trees that you miss the forest. Here's what it says in Deuteronomy 6, verse four. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. I'm gonna read a few verses here. Verse five. Maybe, it's freezing on me. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. Verse six, and you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commandments that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home, when you are on the road, when you are going to bed, and when you are getting up. Verse eight, it says, tie them around your hands, wear them around, and wear them on your foreheads as reminders. Write them on your doorposts of your house and on your gates. It starts that very first verse by saying, you must love the Lord. I don't think I can overstate this. I wanna say it again. You cannot give what you do not possess. So if you were to go gung-ho on some new practices for your kids that you are not living out, it is not gonna have the intended effect. The first takeaway is you have to be all in on Jesus, wholeheartedly, in on the ways of Jesus. The second takeaway is this, it's repetition. What gets repeated gets rewarded. The more you do anything, the easier it becomes to do that thing. Uh, kids are kind of like parrots. You guys know what I'm talking about? Uh, when they are little, they will repeat whatever they most hear. Uh, funny story, when COVID first happened, uh, my son was FaceTiming a friend and they were just talking for a bit. They'd both just finished up pre-K or they would have finished up pre-K as COVID 2020. Uh, and they were both out bouncing on a trampoline, talking on, you know, phones. And kids are oblivious that sound travels past them, right? 
It's like when in the back seat scheming on something, and you're like, I can hear you. Like, I know what your plans are. And uh, my son's little friend, he, he drops something off the trampoline. Maybe it's the phone. I don't remember what it was. And Kelsey, my wife, is sitting on the back patio. She's just hanging out while they're playing. And she hears his friend yell, Shick. S H I C K. Shick. He's mispronouncing another word, okay? <laughs> it was uh, innocent and hilarious. And uh, Kelsey asks this boy if he knew what it meant. And he said, he said this. Uh, it was something like this. He said, no, but my grandma says it all the time. <laughs> right? <gasps> hey, be intentional about what you pass on, right? We are all passing along something to our family. Have a plan on how to pass down the things that are important, right? Not just accidentally, shik, that's probably not something you wanna pass along. What are you passing down? What seeds are you planting for the next generation? Uh, it can feel overwhelming to think about how am I gonna pass my faith on? The two fake takeaways for us are, first, you gotta love Jesus and be all in on him. At verse five, it says, you must love the Lord with your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. And the second thing it says is to keep Jesus, Jesus things in front of your children. Verse seven, it says, repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home, when you are on the road, when you're going to bed, when you're getting up for bed. They did Jesus things wherever they are. They were not worried about, oh, I can't do that here, I can't do that there. They were always talking to their children about Jesus. Repeat them again and again everywhere you are. I want you to think about the seeds that you're planting in your family on a few different timelines. I think all these are important, but uh, how are you planting seeds into them daily? How are you planting seeds into them weekly? And then how are you thinking planting seeds in them annually? Kind of three different levels there. I wanna start from the bigger timeline and then, and then focus in. So annually, how are you planting seeds into your family? You could go and create some big moments for your family that would work for you, but if you're like me and my family, time and budget can make it hard to create those big faith moments for your family every single year. And so what if instead of trying to create something new, you just leveraged something that was already a part of your life? Well, let me give you an example. Every year on the calendar, uh, you got these three things, I know it. You got birthdays on the calendar. You got Christmas and you got Easter. Do you think you could weave a new rhythm into your family on those days? It doesn't have to be a huge deal, uh, but I think there's some low-hanging fruit that we might miss out on there uh, for us to invest in our families on those days and just some easy, easy ways. Birthday, hey, just take a moment and talk to whoever's birthday is. I am so grateful for the wonderful child that Jesus made when he made you. And then tell them maybe some attributes that, they exhibit uh, that remind you of Jesus, right? To not just make it all about the birthday, but actually to have just a simple tie. It could be a five-minute conversation to tie it to Jesus. On Christmas, hey, take a moment and pray as a family, thanking God for sending his son, Jesus. Take what's already there and remind your family of the real reason. Easter, same thing. It ain't about the Easter bunny, right? If we spent more time talking about the Easter bunny than the resurrection of Jesus, we've missed it. Take some time to explain the reason for the season, right? That, that Easter is about Jesus's resurrection. And, and so I wanna make a distinction here. I'm not saying let the church explain these things. I'm saying you explain these things to your children. It doesn't need to be complicated or complex. You can keep it simple and remind them of the real why. Because sometimes we just go 
with the flow and we don't have any thought about it. And I'm not saying it has to be a big deal. Let's take some time to explain what these things are. Those are some simple ways to leverage what's already there. You can annually point your kids to Jesus. Let's, let's hone in a little bit. Okay, let's go weekly. Now, let's think weekly. I wonder if there was something we could do every week to build the legacy of faith in your family. Can you guys think of anything, right? Number one, the list of weekly th- rhythms to build into your life. Attend church together, right? I don't think I can overemphasize the value of consistency, the power of continuing to show up. Parents, or sorry, kids love, they value what their parents value. I don't know if you know that. They will pick up what you value and guess what? It's becoming what they value. Um, I love basketball. My son loves basketball. I did not have to tell him, hey, here's how you love basketball. I never formula to say, this is how you like basketball. That did not happen. What does happen? I watch Thunder games. I go to the gym, play basketball. I dribble a ball around the house. I shoot in the driveway. And what I did, he naturally drifted to. They're not gonna like every, they're not gonna value everything you do, but they're gonna naturally value what their parents value. If Jesus is at the bottom of the list, maybe he's not gonna get there, right, for your, for your kids. If, if being at church is a value for you, it's gonna naturally be a value for them. If church isn't a high value for you, it will be even less for this, for them. And hear me on this, I am not trying to shame anyone who misses church. There are legitimate reasons to not be able to make it. That's not what I'm getting at right here. But if gathering with other believers to corporately worship King Jesus is not a value for you, you cannot, it's not a value you can pass on. You cannot give what you do not possess. Once you evaluate Am I passing on the legacy I want for my family when it comes to showing how much we value gathering together with other believers? It's a weekly rhythm I think we need to all weave in there. Make gathering and worshiping with other believers something you do every week. Uh, From the time you were born to age 18, you have 938 weeks. Whew, right? 938 weeks with an infant until they are 18. And when I say that, most of us naturally think, oh my goodness, I've only got 20 left, right? I've only got 100 left. I've only got 400 left. We're thinking of the time we have with these kids, like a countdown, right? Like it's gonna come to an end. And I think that's natural to kind of think that way. Like every week, we're just losing one. One week, one week, one week. What if we were to switch that from a countdown to a, a buildup? It's not a countdown, it's a launch. Instead of taking away one week, like that thinking that's one loss, that's another one lost, what if we started at zero and added a week every time? Instead of starting at 9.36 and going down, we start at zero and add one. And we don't add one for every week that passes, but we add one for every week we invested in our children. Every week we were like, hey, I, I made sure we were at church today. We made sure we were at church today. We made sure to pray together. We made sure to do these things. How many weeks could you say you've invested in your child's faith? How many weeks could you say you've invested in their faith by being a part of the church, being connected? We've talked about some rhythms we could have annually, talked about some that we could do weekly. And now let's talk about daily. How can we daily invest into our family's faith? 
Before we get into some ways to invest in your family, I wanna again say consistency is so much more important than a perfect system. Don't let perfection let you miss out on some progress. If you'll try and start a new habit with your family, it's okay for that to be a little bumpy, to be a rough ride. That's actually how most things start out. Keep at it and watch God grow that bumpy start into something beautiful. So when it comes to daily ways to invest in your kids, I want you to remember Deuteronomy 6, 7. It says, repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home, when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, and when you're getting up. It says, talk about your faith everywhere, everywhere. I just wanna encourage you, do not be afraid to engage with the spiritual conversations uh, with your children. And can I just put a pause there? Don't be afraid to engage with spiritual conversations with your children at the most random times, right? It can be bedtime, it can be bath time, it can be dinner time, and kids will just drop a theological question and you're like, holy smokes, well, I was just sitting here cooking rice. Like, I don't know what we're doing right now. Do not be afraid to engage with those whenever those moments come. So I think that's actually a great place to start is to chase your child's curiosity towards Jesus, to chase their curiosity to spiritual things. If you're hesitant to answer their questions because you don't know, can I tell you, kids are actually pretty gracious and you can just say, I don't know. But we can go and look and see what the Bible says about that. Try to find an answer from God's word. Even if you don't find that, that clean, that clear answer, you taught them that when they have a question, we look to the word of God. There's a pastor by the name of Ted Tripp, and he, he says this, give your children big truths that they will grow into rather than light explanations they'll grow out of. Give your children big truths to grow into rather than light explanations that they're gonna grow out of. Uh, I gotta be honest, this quote, it changed the way I looked at like raising my kids and answering their questions instead of trying to provide some detail, uh, detailed explanation that would be way over their heads or just trying to give them just push it away, saying, oh, that doesn't matter. Give them a big truth to grow into. I want my children to have a faith that they can grow into, not grow out of. Uh, one part for us uh, was a nighttime routine. And, and every night, I tuck the kids in, and I tell them the three things. I said, you need to know three things. Did you know that dad loves you? And sometimes, they, I, most of the time they say yes, but every once in a while they'll say no because they're mad about, you know, something. I'm like, well, guess what? I love you, right? Did you know that mom loves you? Thing number two, no, because you make me go to bed. Hey, mom loves you. And the most important of all, did you know that Jesus loves you? Yes. None of those things I just said are groundbreaking. You've all heard that before. Jesus loves you, your mom loves you, your dad loves you. That's not anything crazy, but I have a personal conviction that if my children know that dad loves them, that mom loves them, and that Jesus loves them, we can tackle a whole lot that this world will throw at us if they will know that. You've got parents with you and way more than mom and dad. You got Jesus with you. And that's something we started when my boys were just little guys. And we have said basically the same thing every night for years. I don't know what the number is, but it's in, it's four digits. I want them to know 
whatever comes their way, they're loved by mom and dad, and even more so, they're loved by Jesus. I'm not counting on those simple truths to get through the first time, the second time, or the third time. But as we consistently, daily say these truths, and we live lives that reflect those truths, I'm praying that both intellectually and experientially, they would know they are loved by dad and mom, and they are loved by Jesus. And that is the power of repetition. It's the same reason why we end every service the same way. Help me out with something. Anything less than Jesus? Service isn't over, all right? But the first Sunday we did that, nobody repeated it back. But here at the start of year three, you guys did it great, unprompted. When it comes to daily investing in your child's faith, in your kid's faith, the most important part is that you do it each and every day. You show your kids, your family, you, you know your kids, you know your kids better than anybody. Find something that works for you and just hear me on this, stick with it. It's not gonna be perfect. That's what we've used. If you guys wanna use that, go ahead and do that. I'm not trying to give you a specific like letter of the law. I want the spirit of the law. I want you guys to know I need to be investing in my family each and every day. There's no greater thing you could do than invest in your children. To invest in the next generation. It doesn't just end with me. No, no, I'm just a springboard for the next one. Invest in them daily, weekly, annually, and you will see God move in a powerful way. Proverbs 22, verse six, uh, it says this. I want you to think about this. It says, direct your children onto the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it. Your children might have moments where they're gonna wander, where they stray from the faith. Sometimes that's part of the journey. When they're older, it says, they will not leave it. Don't be discouraged and jump ship just because you're in a hard season. I get that. It's not always easy. Stay faithful, and God will do a work. Don't take a backseat to your family's faith. Invest in your kids. Make decisions to invest in your grandkids, your great-grandkids. We have to see it come, their faith come from the next generation. We have to pour into them. We have to invest into them. Because if it stops with us, it's over. We have to share our faiths. We have to invest in them. To plant that tree, to put all that energy and effort into something that will never benefit us, but it will be the biggest blessing to them. I want to end just by going full circle. I started out last week and we started out this week by saying you cannot pass on what you do not possess. My question for you, it's, it's pretty simple. We're talking about legacy and family. Are you a part of the family of Jesus? You can't invite others to join a family that you're not a part of. My question is simple. Are you a part of the family of Jesus? Is that where your faith is in? If, if you're not, I've got some good news for you. Jesus doesn't turn away 
anyone who comes to him. Everyone is welcome. His grace is for all who will simply call on his name. He extends the invitation to be as part of his family for everyone. John 1, 12 says, to all who believed and accepted him, if you'll believe him, if you'll accept him as your savior, he gave the right to become children of God. Believe and accept Jesus and he will give you the right to become his children. If you're not a part of Jesus' family, I just extend that invitation to you. Maybe today is the day to join his family be a part of a family where your heavenly father will always be there for you. He's never, never gonna turn his back on you. Always right next to you. Never shaming you, never looking down at you. He's always calling you to come home. Let's pray.